Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for the show comes from SoFi Invest. Alternative investments are now available on SoFi. Unlock the potential to build and protect your wealth with alternatives including real estate, venture capital, pre-IPO unicorns, and more at SoFi.com slash Vox. Active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA, SIPC. Alternative funds have unique risks, including the risk of loss, may charge high fees, can be illiquid, and may not be suitable for all investors. Prior to investing in any fund, carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and important information contained in a fund's prospectus. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the fighter versus the writer. I'm your host as always, Damon Martin. And uh, on the heels of UFC Charlotte, I couldn't not start the show with a little special intro music for the man who has now tied the all-time knockout record in UFC history after putting away Court McGee with a vicious knockout in the first round. I'm happy to welcome back my full-time co-host. He's been well missed on this show. Matt Brown. Matt, what's going on? Man, just relaxing, bro. Enjoying my five guys and enjoying my uh <laughs> and uh yeah, just enjoying the five guys, man. It's like people don't even know. Like after a fight, that's all we look for, at least me, that's all I fucking look forward to. I mean, I want to see the family. I love, you know, getting the ego boost, everybody saying, I love you, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, can I just get a fucking hamburger, man? <laughs> did you did you miss the podcast? Be honest. Did you miss podcast a little bit? Of course, bro. Okay. I miss your Musk. <laughs> well, uh, joining us today, a very special uh, co-host. This is like getting the band back together. So long before the fighter versus the writer, there was a little podcast. We had multiple names. It was. Uh, it started out as a podcast I wasn't involved with called Legit Man Shit. Then it transformed into Legit the Man great, Shit. Yeah. Then, the, then it was a great MMA debate, and then it was Fight Society. But uh, one of my one of mine and Matt's best friends from here in Columbus, Ohio. He is the host of the Loper and Randy podcast, LoperandRandy.com. You can go visit him over there. I've been a, a guest on that show. Our good friend Jeremy Loper. You were in Charlotte. Welcome back, Loper. What's up, fellas? Yeah, I, I listen. You want to talk about Charlotte? I'm your guy. I was blown away with how much stuff is going on in Charlotte. I mean, we were there obviously to support Matt, but we had a couple of extra days and really took advantage. And let me tell you something, man. That city is not only bustling, but the financial district that kind of holds the entire city down has put like just thousands of people in the street every single day. So you're walking up and down the streets of Uptown. And there's so much life. You're looking around at restaurants, bars. One thing you don't see is like empty spaces where there could be a business. 
I mean, everything's taken. They're selling hot dogs on the street. They got euros. I mean, this place legit, guys. Does it uh, getting us all back together again for the first time in a couple of years when we're all on a podcast together? I always like to mention this to the listeners and the viewers who are watching this. It still cracks me up that we are all on Zoom talking right now, and we all live within a fifteen minute circle of each other in Columbus, Ohio. Like you are there, I could, I could literally by the end of this podcast, I could have, I could have driven to both of your houses and come back again. Yeah, I thought we were all just going to get together and do this. Uh, now we're, we're fucking being technological dorks and stuff. Welcome to welcome to 2023, baby. All Zoom all the time. Nobody, we live. We well, live I saw what minutes. happened in person on Saturday. I, you know, listen, I'm, I'm going to stay my distance, bro. You know, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, hands coming at you, man. That was one of the great. I don't want to jump the gun or anything, but I mean, one of the most exciting knockouts I've ever seen in person. Obviously, you know, us there supporting you in an emotional way, and, and you know, as friends, but. I mean, it was so crazy in the crowd, Matt. Like everyone that knew that we were with you, like everyone comes running from the floor over to us. I felt like I felt like I had knocked somebody out at one point. <laughs> but people were so stoked, man. It was really cool. Yeah, what a great crowd, man. Everybody was, you know, they see it felt like the crowd was there for me, man. Like it, it felt like they were really supportive. I felt the energy, man. It fired me up, got me going. And uh yeah. Man, boy, what a surreal moment, man. Just it's just hard to imagine two days ago I was standing in an octagon with a man on the ground. I just knocked out, standing next to DC talking about it, man. It just because I'm I'm like back home, like eating fucking five guys. And like, <laughs> you know, I took my son to golf lessons last night. Like, you know, what I mean, it's like back to reality, man. It's like it feels like that wasn't even the reality. Yeah, it was uh, it was an amazing performance and uh, not like in, in no way, shape or form. I put a damper on the evening or anything, but man, the ovation you got and, and the way that everyone reacted to that fight. Like my first my first thought was, how is this not the co-main event? Because people went nuts like it was a, right. a the crowd went crazy. And absolutely not. This is not in any way taking a shot at Johnny Walker. Anthony Smith is a good friend. He's been on the podcast many times. Uh, they were the main event originally before that got bumped to the co-main event. But I was like, how is this not co like the crowd went insane? Like and when you let when you landed that that punch and knocked him down, full on Mark Hunt walk off knockouts. Uh, it was beautiful. And the crowd went lunatic. You know, I was thinking about that. I was like, I compared it to Mark Hunt too. I was doing a podcast earlier today. And then I thought, wait, I wonder who has the record of walk-offs, me or Mark Hunt. It's got to be one of us two because I got three of them that I can think of. That's a, that's a, that's a new that record add like, on. Wait, I'm sorry, Damon, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, that's a new record to, uh, to make sure you aspire to get the uh, walk-off knockout record. Yeah, I, that's the record I'm thinking. I, mean, I might actually have that one. It's got to be, it's got to be me or Mark Hunt. I can't think of anyone else that even has, you know, maybe one. Yeah. How, how do you fight the feeling of of following it up? Like, how do you know? Um, that one, you know, I didn't want to go to the ground with him. So that was kind of, that was why I originally backed off. Like, I just hit him hard. I knew the shot was going to land hard. I mean, I was, I timed it really well. I knew that it was there, like, long before it happened. Um, he threw a jab like in the first 10 seconds or whatever. And I was looking, I seen the way he threw it and the, it just made all my reads right there. And I was like, I remember thinking in my head, like, dude, you can't keep throwing that. Like, don't do that again, bro. I'm going to fuck you up for that. Um, then he did it again. I was like, 
bro, if you keep doing that, I'm going to fucking hurt you for it. <laughs> and then he kept doing it. And uh, my game plan was actually the leg kicks. And I was laying them pretty solid. But every time he threw a jab, I was throwing out leg kick. And I was like, and I, I you know, I was getting a little bit cerebral and analytical about it, I think, where I just thought, man, instead of leg kick, what if I just put the right hand instead? And I did it. And um, as, as soon as he started to drop, I was like, you know, I, I didn't want to go to the ground. So I just backed off. And then I was like, he ain't getting up. Sweet. <laughs> Did you see I'll his you, one, uh, of my, one of my favorite moments, Damon? I got to tell you this real quick at the weigh-ins, right? So I'll say this one time, poor Court McGee. He had to walk up and not only face off with Matt, but right behind Matt is Mark the Hammer Coleman. <laughs> By the way, newly spelt. He's got that, uh, not the Tiger King, but who's he working with? The Liver King, right? The I knew liver it was King. <laughs> He's out there with this new body. He's feeling himself. He's looking like the champ again. And he is just staring Court McGee down in the nastiest way. I'm like, dude, what is that like to have two of the most ferocious killers to ever be in the octagon from Ohio just looking down your soul? The only surprising part was that Mark didn't come out with his shirt off and his shoes off. <laughs> I need to get some sun. Not just for tenants, baby. He's all into rolfing now with his no shoes on the grass. I love it, man. I expect. I fully expected. I fully expected to see Coleman jump in there and do the full on like wrestling stance after the win. Like I thought he was going to come in there and just like you know try to take take you down real quick as a little celebration. Because uh, I heard him in the corner. I actually commented on Twitter during the fight, and I was like, "That voice you hear in the corner is the UFC legend Mark Derrick Coleman." Because I could hear him in the corner yelling. He's like, "Do this, Matt." Do this, man. Yeah. Well, so I got to listen again because there was a point when Court had me up against the cage. And I might, maybe I was hearing Coleman wrong, but I kept hearing him. I kept feeling like I was hearing him say, I just stay against the cage. Fuck it. Like, because I was having a hard time getting off the cage. And I was like, is he being a smart ass to me? <laughs> you know like, what is I mean? like, Coleman he, talking shit right, right now? <laughs> Which Coleman would never do, you know? And I, I kind of mentioned it to him after. And he's like, of course I wouldn't do it, you know? And he, of course he wouldn't. But in my head, I was hearing him, like, just be a sarcastic smart ass. Like, I just stay against the cage, you fucking pussy or something. And it, but it actually worked because I was like, I was like, okay, I'll show you, motherfucker. I'll get off of here. And finally did. So. Dude, it was one of the most inspiring moments when you did have the knockout. And obviously you probably couldn't see this, but from my vantage point, the celebration between Dorian Price and Mark Coleman was really cool. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah, I didn't see it. But yeah, that's it's awesome. Did you uh, I'm curious because you said you turned around after you knocked him down and knocked him out and you turned because you weren't going to go to the ground. I watched the replay a couple times afterwards because I had to show it to like 19 people that, you know, I was like, did you see Matt's knockout? Did you see Matt's knockout? Uh, I rewatched it and did you see, I don't know if you noticed this or maybe you watched it in the replay. Did you see his body go limp? Cause it was weird. He hit the ground and it was like, he almost had like the weird, like reflex in that moment. And then he just kind of went limp. It was really odd. Like you just see, like he hits and he was like stiffened up. You know, you, some guys stiffen up when you knock mm -hmm. him out and he just kind of yeah. went limp. It was kind of like, I don't say creepy, but it was just weird. Like how his body just like froze and then it just like relaxed and he was out. Yeah, totally. I've seen it. And, uh, you know, I guess one of my first thoughts was, you know, I just like Court McGee so much as a person, as a human being. And, you know, just maybe I'm getting softer in my old age or whatever. But, you know, one of my first thoughts was like, man, you know, sorry, Court. You know, I still love you, bro. Like, you know, hope nothing but the best for you. But, 
Um, it was either you or me, buddy. Yeah, you guys. I saw you guys take the photo afterwards. Or was it backstage or whatever? You guys took a photo together. Yeah, we did one backstage. We hung out after. Um, you know, just talked about the fight, talked about life and everything. You know, he's got kids and stuff, and uh, you know, obviously, like we have similar backgrounds. So, yeah, it was cool catching up with him. We've me and him have hung out a few different times. I think um, at the UFC summits, like we met, we've hung around and stuff, and uh, which they don't do anymore. But um, yeah, you know, like you know, it's surprising that we haven't crossed paths earlier in our careers, to be honest. I mean, you know, we're, we're both uh long time fighters here in the UFC the same weight class and um, everybody, you know, we, we both put on great fights and, you know, he's a grinder, I'm a grinder. So it's pretty surprising that we haven't even fought this, you know, this long in our careers. So, yeah, you know, we, we just, you know, there's nothing like bottom with the dude after you, you try to kill each other. So, <laughs> you know, it was cool. We had a good time and, you know, ate a little bit of junk food. Uh, I gave him, offered him a piece of my Papa John's pizza. <laughs> <laughs> you with the brands. It's hilarious. So uh, I, I got to go Bro, back to what All day. week. So all week as I'm cutting weight, yeah, I'm just watching episodes of South Park because I just lay there in a hotel with nothing to do. And I can only be on my phone so damn long before my brain hurts. Right. Uh, dude, they had this commercial for Papa John's Papadillas <laughs> and they look so damn good. <laughs> And after the fight, I didn't even want it, but I was like, dude, I've been craving that all week. I got to try it and see what it's like. Mm, it's I think Shaq should have brought it to you personally, man. <laughs> I know, bro. Where was Shaq at? What the yeah, fuck? What's up with that? Yeah. Like David, you had touched on uh, Matt's walkout and the way the crowd reacted. Dude, it was insane. I promise you, it was the loudest pop anybody got that night. It was unbelievable. Like, honestly, like when I saw you, it was different this time, though. I was able to look down down the uh down the aisle just as you walked through the curtain and this time i don't know it was something was different man you were way more loose you were ready to go and when he came out he was really stiff it was a the posture everything was just different and and when i saw you come out of the curtain i was like tonight's his night it's gonna fucking yeah, happen yeah i'll tell you one of the things i think i've gotten a lot better at as i've gotten older and more experienced and more um more sophisticated with my fighting is like, I'm just better at just accepting, you know, like I'm just better at just simply accepting what's going to happen is going to happen. You know, not try to force it. Don't try to push it. Don't try to change it, alter it. Like you put in the work, you have to accept it, man. And that's uh, I think it's a difficult thing, right? Cause you have to accept that. Yeah. You might die in there. You know, you might lose, you might um, get a broken orbital. You might be at the hospital tonight. You might not ride home with your kids tonight. Like, uh, but you also might knock a guy out, get a $50,000 bonus and eat Papa John's after, you know, so, <laughs> so you have to be completely accepting. And I think I've uh, really gotten better at that. And I think that's what you were seeing. There was just the acceptance of here I am. Let's embrace this moment. Let's enjoy it. Um, it's pretty rare. Like I look out into the crowd and I, I made sure to do that. I look out and um, I didn't happen to spot you on the way out, but I spotted a lot of people that I recognized and that I know and I wanted to take that in, soak that in so that I have those memories. That's awesome. Yeah, I can never tell if uh, if we're looking at each other when you're walking out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, because it's yeah, the lights yeah. are in your eyes. And, you know, you always, when you're looking at somebody, you know, I'm looking at you, obviously. You know, there's no one else to look at. You're looking at a sea of people. But, yeah, we were all right there, man, uh, on the walkout. Now, when you, so when you won, this is kind of funny. Right before your fight, I was talking to Chris Weidman. He was sitting like two rows in front of me. And so we were kind of going, we were talking about jujitsu and stuff. 
And so he turns around and he goes, Matt Brown. And <laughs> dude gives me one of the craziest high fives. Like my hand still hurts. <laughs> so when I tell you, everybody was pumped, man. People were pumped. That's great to hear, man. Wyman's a great guy. He is a good guy. And Damon, you know, you were mentioning Anthony Smith just a few minutes ago. How was that not the main event? I mean, that fight needed five rounds, in my opinion. I don't know if both the guys would have made it to the fifth round, but it was the far more elite fight. Like by the time the main event uh, came around and, you know, I love everybody at the UFC. The booking is usually on point. So I'm not talking shit or anything. It's just, just the facts, like the energy in, in the spectrum center was not the same when the main event hit. It was uh it was a weird cause I, when I heard about it and I, cause I talked to Anthony right after and he's just like, I have no idea. He's like, we were the main event. They could, my manager called me and said, now we're the co-main event. I don't know why. Um, it didn't make a lot of sense. Anthony is a pretty well-established popular name and Johnny Walker is fairly popular as well. And don't, don't get me wrong. Jailson Almeida is a freaking monster. That guy may be a future heavyweight champion and Jarzinho Rosenstrike is headline cards, but yeah, it was a really weird choice. Like, I don't know if maybe they just wanted to get like a quick, cause it was an afternoon card, which was already kind of weird, right? Like on the East coast. Like, Matt, you fought at, like, 2 o'clock or whatever, 2.30? Like, it was a weird time. Oh, it was crazy. Dude, we were at an Irish bar at 11.30 a.m., but right before <laughs> yeah. the fight, it was, like, so unusual, man. Yeah, so, like, but I don't know. And, like, they were leading into – so the whole the whole UFC card was early because they were leading into the XFL championship game of all things. Like, that was why the UFC card was in the afternoon because the XFL championship was on ABC after that. So I'm sure they were trying to get, like, a ratings lead-in to the football game. So it was already weird with that. It was a five-fight main card, which was a little weird. You should do a six-fight main card. And, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, maybe they just wanted a quick main event because they kind of figured that the Gileton was going to probably finish Jarzinho early. But, yeah, it was weird because as much as I love Gileton Almeida and he's a monster, like, no one really knows him. So to put him in a main event over two pretty recognizable guys in Anthony Smith and Johnny Walker, and that's why I said to you, Matt, like, I think you and Court would have been much better as the co-main event because you guys got a huge ovation. We all saw afterwards, like Dana White was like, oh, I love to see two OGs go at it. You know, it was great to see that and blah, blah, blah. Like it, it, everyone was talking about your fight and, and obviously talking about Anthony and, and Johnny. And again, I want to say like, I'm not disrespecting Jailton. I made it. That was just a weird choice for like the way they, they ordered that card. It didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I guess they're probably trying to pump up Almeida, right? Try to get his name out there more because they also know that he's got a bright future ahead of him. And, and boy, he performed, right? Yeah, he, he did, did. He did. did what uh, he was supposed to do, man. That's, yeah, a, that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah, I mean, I assume it has to be that. I don't know any other reason it would be. Was it weird? Loper, you were there. Was it weird being like, because I I've, I can't remember. I mean, I've done it in Vegas where I've been at earlier cards. Because when, when I first started traveling to cards and going to the West Coast, the cards started like 3 o'clock in the afternoon on West Coast time. It was a little odd because I'm so used to yeah. like being you know, later at night. But like that was a really weird one because generally speaking, when it's a morning card, it's when they're in like uh, England or something like they'll start at normal time in England, right. but it'll be like 11 a.m. over here. It's so weird on the East Coast. The card started at noon. Like That's so weird. It's a weird feeling. You're waking up at breakfast and going to a fight card. No. So that's exactly what I was going to say. We literally had breakfast 
And then I grabbed a cost. So if you go to my Instagram, you can kind of see a, most of like the lead up to the fight, the weigh-ins, all of that. If you go to at Jeremy Loper on Instagram, but yeah, it was so strange. I'm walking over with a coffee. All my friends can't wait to get to the Irish bar. They're all ready to drink and everything. But uh, that was the weirdest part. And let me tell you something though. That's the unique thing that I found about Charlotte. I don't know what it was, but everyone was in the streets. At times it felt like Vegas, the way that it was crowded and there was nothing else going on like downtown. There was, you know, there wasn't like a football game or anything. They do have many pro teams, but as far as I know, the UFC event was the only thing that was happening and people were everywhere. The bars were full all around the arena. People started lining up from what I understand, starting like just before 10 o'clock, like lines, like all almost all the way around the arena. It was cool, man. And my favorite part of the, well, I don't know if it was my favorite part, but one of my, uh, one of my uh, favorite finds of this UFC event was, do you guys know that uh, Hezbollah or Hezbollah, the little guy? Yeah. Do you know he has his own UFC merch now? Like they have, the, you remember the old school wrestling buddies, like of Hulk Hogan yeah. and all that? Yeah, I've seen yeah, those. I've sell, seen those. They sell two uh, from the UFC merch and one is Conor McGregor and one is Hezbollah. <laughs> oh God. It's hilarious. They is have it, shirts. I mean, people, people snatch them it, up like crazy. I have to assume it's a life-size doll. Is that kind of what you're telling me, Loper? Is that? Hey, you know, I didn't want to say that, but maybe that is true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Like, that's one that I'm just like, I still don't, uh, I don't understand the fascination with that whole thing. Like, it's not that I don't understand. Listen, we live in a world where, you know, social influencers are headlining boxing cards. One happened over the weekend. So I'm not, I'm not discounting like that. It's just weird that, it was attached to UFC. Like that's such a, I, I'm not trying to change. Like, I don't understand it. I've never understood it. Like if that, if Hezbollah was famous as a social influencer, I'd be like, okay, cool. You know, whatever, you know, Jake Paul, KSI, whatever. But like, it's so weird that it just became like so ingrained with the UFC. It's such a weird yeah. thing. It wouldn't be as weird if he fought. Right. But he doesn't <laughs> fight. So it's kind of like it, almost insulting Maybe to the other fighters is what I was thinking. I just, I don't, I don't know. Like, I it's, I mean, I guess because he was in with like Habib's camp and stuff, maybe that's what it was. Like he's part of that. Like, well, I also think it's because Dana's a goddamn promoting genius. And he said, <laughs> we could sell a lot of fucking t-shirts and a lot of these dolls. <laughs> Boom. Let's sign this guy to a UFC <laughs> personality agreement. Yeah. That's just my guess. It's weird. It's weird. Uh, Matt, you uh, you did set the record or tie the record for all-time knockouts, and you said beforehand, and we've had this conversation before, you always say, I don't really care. People tell me about it, whatever, but come on now. You tied the all-time record. I know you want to break. Come on now. You did it. It's got to feel kind of cool, right? Like, all-time record knockouts to the UFC. Like, I know you're tied with Derek Lewis, but, I mean, come on now. I know you try to play it down, but it's a cool record to have. Well, I tried not to think about it. I was, like, legit – forcing myself not to think about it because so, like everybody brings it up all the time. And I'm, I'm like, dude, I want to win the fight. You know what I'm saying? Like if I knock him out, cool. If not, I still want to fucking win the fight. You know, it doesn't have to be a knockout. So I'm trying to just be focused. And, uh, but yeah, man, once it happened, I was like, damn, I got the record. Right? You know, I'm at least tied with the record and um, it, it's very surreal, very uh, um, odd feeling, man. Just being that guy. Um, you know, it's not something I ever dreamed of, you know, as a kid or even as a young UFC fighter or whatever, man. That's not something that I ever thought would even be a thing in my life, right? But here I am, and, uh, you know, I can certainly be proud of it. And, um, 
I say, you know, me and Derek Lewis should fight for the record, you know? <laughs> you're like, so it's fucking like, crazy. And <laughs> see, what people don't realize I, is you're not fucking around. Like, you're dead serious right uh, now. Yeah, I just, I have no clue how the hell I beat him. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like, I, I, I'm uh, fighting an uphill battle there, but... But I say, let's fucking do it. Something man. tells let's me go. Coleman's going to be going, blast double, blast double. <laughs> you know yeah, what? I want to get myself knocked out. <laughs> you know what? Uh, you know what fight is realistic, though? Conor McGregor. He said he wants the all time, yeah. uh, he wants the all time knockout record. And uh, you responded with, I'll fight you for it. Boy, did people lose their shit. And not in a bad way. I'm saying people are going crazy. Connor says, you know, Matt Brown, 42. I, you know, I, I'm going to break that record. I got eight knockouts. He said, I'll fight you for it. Dude, that blew. I don't know how much you saw it or how much people were asking about it, but holy hell, man, that thing blew up. And, and in a good way. Like I said, no one's negative. Everyone's like, oh, man. Like, that was like the perfect response. It was it was great. And, and weirdly, I know because we've had this conversation many times on all of our podcasts, like you have a ton of respect for Conor McGregor. And obviously, I didn't take it as a disrespectful thing. But I was like, what a perfect response. Like, I'll fight you for it. <laughs> yeah so it's crazy it kind of blew up i haven't really checked my twitter much so I, uh, I guess i'll have to check and see how much it blew up but uh, i mean yeah i'd fight him for it like wouldn't you <laughs> it's like fuck yeah bro like you want the record come get it bitch oddly <laughs> enough it is actually a really intriguing fight you know oh, him coming sure. back from I mean, such a layoff and i know they have the the tough fight that maybe they'll do you know who knows after the, the coaching season but man it would be a really interesting fight i think it'd be a great fight and i um i just i don't think connor's actually coming back I, i'm yeah. i'm pretty well convinced he's not even gonna ever fight again i think he just likes being in the spotlight i think mm -hmm. he likes people talking about him he likes you know being heard he likes the ego boost all that kind of stuff and you know Hey, more power to him. He don't have to fight. That dude's got more money than I'll probably ever make in my life, you know, so good for him. But, uh, you know, the chances of him actually coming back and fighting, I think are pretty slim if you're asking, you know, me to be honest. As of today, uh, we're recording this on Monday, May 15th. Podcast will go out tomorrow, May 16th. As of today, and I just checked this because I was curious. Um, as of today, Conor McGregor still isn't in the USADA testing pool. He hasn't been tested yeah. yet this year. Um, we know they need six months of testing before fighting, and I know they can waive that, but I just don't see them doing that after the whole Brock Lesnar debacle. I can't see them being like, oh, yeah, we're going to give you a pass. And I know it's if they do it for Connor, people are going to lose their minds because everyone already knows Connor gets special treatment. And I get it. I'm not, I'm not, even, I'm not even faulting Connor for getting special treatment as the biggest star in the sport. Like, that's why Connor can go to a BKFC fight, go in their ring, hold their belt. Do a face-off with Mike Perry and Dana White goes, oh, I don't mind. Like, that's the power of Conor <laughs> McGregor. But uh, I don't think they're going to waive that for him. So we're sitting here May. I mean, six months, we're already talking at this point. Like, it's got to be October before he could fight, like, Michael Chandler. Like, we're getting deep into the year where, like, he and needs I'm, to get I'm back. I'm guessing in. Michael Chandler probably wants to fight before then, too, right? I mean, he wants to get what? back. When you I know, talk to whether it's Connor or someone else, like he wants to fight before then, I'm sure, right? When I talked to Chandler before he left for filming, we were both under the assumption that the fight was going to be in August or September. The show ends in August. And so we were both under the assumption it was going to be either yeah. the end of August or beginning of September was the fight. Like that's that, and that was 10 days or nine days before he left for filming in March. 
So he was already looking at a six-month window in that. So, I mean, the fact that he's still not in the testing pool is a concern. And, I mean, you know, it's weird. Like, why? So I don't know that you're wrong, Matt. Like, why Why aren't you back in the testing pool if you're serious, if you're going to fight in this year? Because it's coming up to the deadline. Like, if he didn't get back in by June, we're talking about December. Like, that's the yeah, end no, of the year. Yeah, I just was doing the math. And so, like, today, which is my birthday, guys, uh, it would be what November fifteenth before he could even be like cleared. Yeah, and I mean, I guess if you did like the next day, I mean, is that even possible? Do you have to have any more time than that? Yeah, like, they, they, they'll to, they'll let you like, set up the fight as long as you're in the pool and and you have the six months, they can schedule a fight right after. So he could technically fight like the next day as long as he doesn't mm-hmm. test positive for anything. But he needs to go through the six months. So as you said, November fifteenth is the earliest. If he got in the pool today. He couldn't fight until November 15th or November 16th, I guess, technically. So, yeah, like it's getting – so you're not wrong, man. Like I guess I said, what I'm saying, like you're not like wrong. I said, I, I'm sure Chandler wants to fight before then, right? First, a uh, happy birthday, Loper. But Thanks, bro. I'm sure like he wants – like like Chandler's on, on short time here, right? Like he's, he's not going to be fighting for the next, you know, five, ten years, and he's trying to get back to the uh, title shot. So I'm sure like he wants to be fighting before that. Yeah. What's crazy? Also, happy birthday, Loper. Let me throw that out there as well. Uh, recording hey, thanks, on your re- recording on your birthday, man. That's commitment. That's commitment to the podcast, right there. Um, but in all seriousness, Matt, like when you said that, like because I was thinking, like the ovation you got and the reception you got on Saturday, and Dana's comments and everything, and the bonus. I don't know. Did I did I break it to you that you got the bonus? Did you know you got the bonus when I texted you? Uh, you know, I don't remember. I texted well, you about the bonus. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he was yeah. at fucking Papa John's. He doesn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> he was. A, I did not know officially until you broke it to me. Okay, he but got I, the. He, I, I kind of knew already, though. Yeah. Yeah, he was in a he was in a cheese and sauce induced coma, and my text didn't really mean that much at that point. Um, Dude, the, the bonus is and and the the fried Oreos. <laughs> oh, bro! Damn, dude, bro! Come on now. But uh, How so you no one else have the dipping sauces with their pizza. It's it's only a Papa John's thing. No one else does that, right? Oh yeah, dude. I buy like uh, I bought at least like five different dipping sauces. So every bite, I get a different garlic butter, spicy garlic, <laughs> cheese. Oh yeah. Dude, I, don't, I don't like Papa John's. You're making me want Papa John's right now, dude. This is like the worst thing ever. Like I don't like I'm Papa John's. You, I try the Papadia, bro. It's amazing. <laughs> but, but uh, I'm not a Papa John's guy either. I, I like, you know, the local pizza joints are is where it's yeah. at, right? But uh, I get back to the hotel and I was planning on just eating there at the hotel and they didn't open until like the next, uh, the they didn't serve food for like two hours. I was like, oh, I'm just going to order a pizza then. I'm starving, man. And I want some Papadilla. I've been seeing it on TV all week. Uh, so I'll tell you what was one of the most special moments for me uh, at the fight was I, I was with the boys, your twins, Matt, like right before your fight. And, you know, they've been at a few different fights and, you know, I've seen them and they're like, Lober! and, you know, we we're talking for a few minutes, but they've grown up so much and they're both training now. So they both understand what is happening in there and they're way more aware of the world uh, now. And it was so cool to see their eyes, man, their eyes were so lit up in the moment that you put them down. That's the first two people I thought of. I was like, this must be incredible for the boys. God, I can, can you only imagine like being in their shoes, you know, 12 years old and your dad's out there knocking people out in a cage in front of awesome. thousands and millions of people. 
it's amazing. It, I mean, yeah, it really I, is. That's what makes it, you know, we talk, I talk to a lot of people about this, man. We, they say that, you know, this is a selfish sport, blah, blah. And my brother's saying it's selfish sport, man. When I'm in there, I'm in there for them. You know, this ain't selfish, bro. I'm not in there by myself doing it for me. I'm doing it for everyone else, man. I'm doing it for the little man. I'm doing it for my own kids. I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it for so, all the kids at my gym coming up. I'm doing That's it awesome. for, you know, the the overweight guy that wants to come in the gym and doesn't know if he can get in there another day. You know, th this is what we do it for, man. It's not selfish at all. So, um, you know, not having my kids there means a lot to me. And it's a, it's a special moment, man, when I get to go hugged in backstage after. I, uh, Loper, you mentioned earlier about like Matt walking by, like you see in the crowd. The one time I know Matt acknowledged me and I had to be like, you know, professional in the moment, but was in Cincinnati. Cause that was when your kids were in the cage, when you knocked out Eric Silva and I was cage side. Cause I was media. So I was like right in the front row. Like you can't miss us. Like you, you have to walk right by us right. out there. And so I know, I, I can't remember if I fist bumped you. Can't you miss your by, hair, Damon. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Damon, yeah. That was funny because Randy and I uh, were, were sitting right next to you. Do you remember that, Damon? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. It, it, and Randy and I are cheering for like, we're going, come on, Matt. And they, come, <laughs> they came over, they go, dude, uh, we know you're friends, but you're, you're in the, in the media area tonight. You got <laughs> a cool little, cool little trivia. You know, that was uh, actually nine years to the day. That's crazy. Ago. Oh, wow. really? To the actual, the actual day. day. Yeah, wow, day, man. Yeah. dude, nine years ago does not even seem real, right? Like yeah, that doesn't yeah. seem like that's possible. Yeah, it's amazing, that's, right? That's crazy. Well, that's oh, I what remember I was like everything I, that happened that day. Like we were walking down the streets of Cincinnati with Sheely, going to get something to eat, and like, and I, I don't know if it was you or somebody brought it up. They were just like, "What other fighter walks around in the street <laughs> right before their fight in the in the middle <laughs> of a city?" You know, like it was so cool, man. And then Dana called you the king of Cincinnati after that. I mean, Cincinnati was your city, bro. So yeah. I think you might have stole Charlotte the other night. <laughs> That's two down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was, the, but I remember because that was after the fight, you brought the kids in, you brought your twins in. So it's like, that was yeah. a cool moment with that. Uh, we were talking about the whole Connor thing, going back to that real quick. Uh, what's funny, because what I was saying was the feeling in the atmosphere of your fight and your win, you get the bonus, Dana's talking, like, realistically, I know we've kind of jokingly talked about Connor before, but like, Connor, Connor kind of picks and chooses his battles, and and I think he's earned that. Like as a star, he kind of earns that right, just like Canelo does in boxing or whatever. That's just the, the the guys who they are. But for that moment, like when that happened afterwards, like you got it like lightning in a bottle. I was like, you know what? Like there's a real world now where that fight could happen. Now I know you said like obviously you know you don't think Connor's actually coming back, but like in that moment, that lightning in a bottle, that tweet. I know it sounds funny, but like I was like, you know what? Like, if he goes out and fights Michael Chandler, they're not fighting at 155. We already know that. Uh, you know, I don't see him winning that fight and suddenly getting Leon Edwards or Colby Covington or Bilal Muhammad. They're not going to do that. I was like, there's a world where I could see it being Connor and Matt. Like, that's a big fight. Like, again, I know we're saying, like, it may not happen because Connor may never fight again. But I was like, in that moment, I was like, you know what? That could happen. And it would feel like a big fight. Right. I'm down, bro. Let's go. Give him a call. <laughs> i do have a i do have a cell i could send it to you if you want to text him if he wants we can even do it um uh, no usada like i'll go uh you just gotta give me like six months to catch up <laughs> we'll go and we'll go to ireland tell him like, yeah we'll take it to ireland we'll yeah, bring it, ireland, the fight yeah. to him 
I like that too. I want to go to Ireland. If you do, if it does happen in Ireland, you got to make you get you got to make uh, you got to make Coleman like go full full iron full Irish for that card. He's got to like come out to like Dropkick Murphys and you got to get you got to get Coleman full on Irish apparel for that card. Easy done. <laughs> dude, he came out tanned up like a motherfucker, dude. He's he looks great. I just can't. I'm so proud of him, man. You know, dumping the booze. Uh, it's it's a great decision for uh, a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? But for him, it's been a complete game changer. Like, what have you seen in his personal life, uh, having him in the camp this entire time, change over the course of time? Oh, man, I don't even know where you start. You know, it's just, um, you know, just, a, a, you know, he's just, he inspired so many of us, uh, you know, back in the day and just watching him go down that road for so long you know, kind of being not really by his side, but, you know, being around and seeing how far it went. Yeah. I mean, he was on his deathbed, you know what I mean? Yeah. We all, we all know this, like he was on his way out of the game and then to come back like this. Um, and it's different too, because, you know, I tell a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people know my story, you know, about overdosing and stuff, but you know, I'm not an addict at heart, right? I don't have the disease. When, when I see someone like him that has that disease, uh, um, it really, it, 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 I don't know, man, it's just different because you don't really understand it until you see it. Yeah. You know, with like a true addict and uh, someone uh, that's able to beat that demon is a very powerful thing. It's very inspiring. And, um, you know, he comes over all the time, hits the sauna with me and jumps in ice and, you know, keeps it entertaining. Every single thing he does is just, you know, he, he needs a damn camera following him if anybody does, because it's a, the most entertaining thing ever to see. But it's constantly inspiring and um, just seeing the energy level change and the the motivation and um, everything, man. He, he, I mean, I don't even know where to start to scratch the surface of the, the power the sobriety can uh, hold over you. Yeah, it's wild. Like when you think about um, all that Mark Coleman has gone through in his career, all the things he's done, and this might be the biggest battle he's won. Like this might be the biggest fight he's ever won in his career. Like going through this, absolutely like, is. You know what I mean? Like, because uh, I know, like I like I think when he hit one year, I had texted with him right after that, and I was just like, I, it felt weird saying it, but I was just like, dude, I'm proud of you. Like that's awesome. Like that's so amazing what you're doing, and like. He does, man. He looks better than ever, man. He looks healthy and happy. And, um, yeah, I've lived, I mean, I've lived around addiction, you know, both my parents were addicts in different ways, but, uh, when you live around it, you recognize it. you recognize how much that can destroy your life, like how much it can absolutely change everything about your life. And it affects everyone around you as well. Like, no, I'm not talking about family. I'm just talking friends, just people are your, you know, it. And, and like, there is just a, a real recognizable difference and Coleman, like I was up at the gym, it was like a year ago when I was up there, when Mickey Gall was up there and I was up there hanging out and Coleman was up there teaching classes and stuff. And like the energy, like I just, I saw it, I recognized it. I was like, oh my God, like this feels like a different guy. Like this feels like a totally, totally different guy. Yes. You know, it was awesome. Yes. Do you guys remember when we, we referenced the podcast that we used to do at the beginning of the show, but remember those days and remember him coming in to do the podcast with us. If we were to say, Hey, X amount of years later, he's going to actually be back. He'll be in the gym teaching and sometimes on the mats with people. All of us would have said, yeah, sorry, man, that's not going to happen. 
but man, that's it's exactly happening. Right. And the yeah, craziest yeah. thing of it all is when that dude grabs you, he play, you know, <laughs> play around and stuff sometimes you're talking 10 years of complete alcoholic, you know, close to death, drinking pills, everything, three hip replacements, no working out. And this dude grabs you. I've never felt a 20 year old guy as strong as that, bro. Like <laughs> this is a fucking gorilla, but I'm telling you, he might go on to live to be 150 years old anyway, but if he took care of himself, he'd live to be 200. That's hilarious. I, I agree. mean, this guy is an absolute freak of nature, man. You know how you could tell he was doing so well is at the weigh-in, uh, the big greeting Dana gave him. You could tell how authentic that was. Yeah, it's just a beautiful thing to see, right, man? Yeah. Just a beautiful thing to see. And, again, I, I say it all the time, this isn't a selfish sport, man. You know, I do it for the guys like Coleman, right? Like, you know, I'm not saying I saved him necessarily, but, you know, having my gym and having, you know, some purpose for him coming into the camp and helping me out. I think gives them a lot of purpose and a lot of reasons to get up and get inspired in the morning. And um, if, if, if I even give them 1% of that, then it makes it all worth it, man. So that's, you know, that's what this sport's all about. You know, it's hilarious. It inspires you like with your friends and family, you know, like when there is somebody that needs you, you don't really know it all the time, you know, because people are really good at masking things. And then uh, far too often, it's sad that we're too late by the time we know that our friends are hurting or, or something's wrong. And it was so cool that he was able to not only turn it around, but he's back to doing what he loves. And, you know, martial arts saved me. I know martial arts saved you, Matt. And, you know, and, and Damon, I mean, you are a living testament of martial arts, my friend. Look at you. You know, the biggest <laughs> podcaster, you know, one of the greatest writers of all time. So, I mean, I think that, you know, there's something to that. You know, like they say, obviously, I'm in the rock and roll business, too. And, you know, with bands, they'll say, you know, rock and roll saved me or music saved me. Martial arts saves yeah, it's crazy, too. You guys remember back in the day doing the podcast, you mentioned it, Loper. Like, when we did the podcast, because we always used to go in studio. We would go, all four of us in studio, we'd hang out. And that's why it was so hard for us to do the podcast, because we would bullshit for an hour and then do a two-hour podcast and then bullshit for another half hour. So it was like a four-hour process to do a show with us, because we'd all get in there and joke around and have a great time. You mentioned, like, we couldn't envision Coleman at that time becoming, like, but it was funny, because in those days... um, in those days, Coleman would always joke with you, Matt, about like, I'm going to put you through the Hammer House workout. I'm going to put you, if I was teaching <laughs> oh, you. Yeah. And it's so funny to think like a couple of years later, he actually is like one of your main coaches. He's in the gym every day working with you. I've seen him do it. And it's just hilarious like, how far he's come because back then, like we joke around and talk about it, and you and him would constantly go back and forth, like hilariously like, giving, giving each other shit a little bit about like the Hammer House yeah. workouts and stuff. And like now you're fast forward, like four years later, five years later, He's actually like one of the main coaches and, and coaching up at uh, the Immortal Art Martial Arts Center. It's just so funny, like how far he's coming, how far you can come from that. Because I don't, I, I always remember those days, and me and Loper would crack up because you guys would just go back and forth for like ten minutes straight of like him joking about like if I get you on the mats, Brown, Matt Brown, I'm gonna get you on the mats, Matt Brown. <laughs> Yeah, we have a lot of fun, man. Yeah, he, I say he just keeps the camp so entertaining all the time, and he's just a motivational, inspirational guy. So, um, you know, fuck yeah, Mark. You know, man, that's all we say, right? Like, fuck yeah, bro. Way to go. Keep it up, man. And he's gonna, he's gonna do some great things in his life.
Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for the show comes from SoFi Invest. Alternative investments are now available on SoFi. Unlock the potential to build and protect your wealth with alternatives including real estate, venture capital, pre-IPO unicorns, and more at SoFi.com slash Vox. Active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA, SIPC. Alternative funds have unique risks, including the risk of loss, may charge high fees, can be illiquid, and may not be suitable for all investors. Prior to investing in any fund, carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and important information contained in a fund's prospectus. Um, I want to throw this out there because one thing they mentioned on Saturday night after you fought, uh, Dana talked about your longevity. And I realized because I was writing the article I posted today on MMAfighting.com, it said, uh, you know, basically like I didn't realize, like, I, I knew it, but like it just kind of was like, wow, 15 years in the UFC. Um, and he was praising your longevity in the sport. And we heard over the week, the last week, and I know you talked about it in your pre fight, Matt. We heard the news that Robbie Lawler is going to retire. He's got one fight left coming up in June. He's going to fight Nico Price and retire. And he's another one. I think he started in the UFC, I want to say, like, it was like 2004, 2005 was his first fight. Now, obviously, he left for a lot of years and came back to the UFC, so it's not been one continuous run like yours. But, like, in all honesty, like, dude, like, I know you don't think about it, but, like, when I was writing that article I was thinking about, I was like, man, it is so rare the guys are able to stick around and have the career like you put together for this long, because like we see a lot of guys and girls come in and they're gone within two years, a year, a lot of times. I mean, you know what I mean? Like you, like there's a handful of guys who can stick around for a decade at the highest level. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not talking about like championships, right? I'm talking just being in the UFC at that level is so rare. And also I want to give credit to court McGee too. He's another guy who's been around for a long time. He was on the ultimate fighter, as well, you know, obviously Court's a great guy, but like, it's so hard to do that at that level, man. I know you know that, Matt, but like, I just want to show you that appreciation because when I was writing that article, I was like, God, that is crazy. Like, when you think about all the greats, all the just you know tremendous champions, guys have been in the sport who are gone or leaving. You know what I mean? And to be there for fifteen years, dude, you realize how special that is. Uh, yeah, I guess it's pretty special, man. <laughs> I don't want to keep my own horn, you know what I mean? I'm just, I, I love what I do, and I do what I love, man. It was okay. Ever since somebody was uh, doing an interview their day, and they mentioned something along those lines, and they said, they said, you know, your career is probably closer to the end than it is to the beginning. And I started doing the math in my head, and I was like, could I do it for, um, you know? And 
It's like, damn, I'd be 56. I don't know if I can do that. Could I? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's pretty cool, man. And uh, especially to come out, you know, having the most knockouts and, um, you know, like Corday, no joke. You know what I mean? It's not like I just knocked out some slob or something or some, you know, first timer guy that you'd be like, oh, well, you know, you just got too nervous or something, you know? So it just, it feels great, man. And, um, you know, I guess there's a little bit of, you know, just kind of validates everything that I do, you know, like I, I put a lot into this and uh, work hard every day and, you know, stay disciplined. And, um, you know, sometimes it, every now and then it feels like it, it pays off a little bit. So feels great. And I guess I'll be eyeing for that hall of fame spot, you know? It's, Hell yeah. <laughs> they yeah. said that uh, there's people saying that on Saturday night, they're like 100%, like two guys. And it was the other guy that uh, Dana mentioned with you was Jim Miller, like Jim Miller, Matt Brown, like they're UFC hall of famers one day. Like it, you know, we don't know when is it going to be next year or two years from now, whatever it's going to be like you and Jim Miller, are two of the guys about those two. Like we know, I know, you know, the nickname. I always tell whenever I text Jim Miller about, it, I still text it to him because Joe Silva called me out one time. His name is, his name is not Jim Miller. It's Jim fucking Miller because uh, <laughs> Joe Silva, Joe Silva famously texted him one time about a fight right before Joe Silva left the UFC. And he said, uh, Hey, I got a fight offer for you. And Jim Miller just said, yeah, I'll take it. Didn't know the opponent. Didn't know anything. He's like, he's like, I knew you'd take it. Cause you're Jim fucking Miller. And so forever and always, he is Jim fucking Miller. But there are certain people, you're Jim fucking Miller, you're Matt fucking Brown. You're not going anywhere except the UFC Hall of Fame. <laughs> well, that's cool to hear. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of speechless with all this stuff, man. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm still, like, I'm, I'm just kind of guy. I keep my mind going forward, man. I'm already thinking about, like, getting back into the gym and training some more. And that's what I enjoy doing with my days and my nights. So, um you know, I got some guys with some fights coming up, so I want to try to help them. And, um, you know, that's just where my mind goes, man. Um, I hope that the Hall of Fame works out and get to go, you know, have a great day out in Vegas, getting inducted and everything be cool. But, you know, realistically, man, I'm going to wake up next morning, still hang out with my kids the same, still go to the gym and train just the same. So, you know, that's just the way my life works out, man. And, uh, um, again, hopefully it all comes down to just inspiring others and bringing others up, man. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And Damon, maybe you can answer this question. So what is the deal with the Hall of Fame? Is there any updates on there's like a physical location in the making or or what's the deal with that? There's been a lot of talk about that. I feel like because what so they built the UFC Apex and that became like the UFC. That's the UFC headquarters now. And I know they're building another building across from it. They're building a hotel over there or whatever. But like. I think they are going to build something eventually because why not? Like, why would you not like there's enough people in the hall of fame now to where you can make it like a legit hall of fame. People could come yeah. visit and things like that. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know when or how it's going to happen, but I feel like it's got to happen. I mean, and and now like we're getting in, like there's a lot of modern people in the hall of fame, like Anderson Silva's going in now. Uh, you know, Robbie Lawler's going in this year for his fight with Rory McDonald. Like there's a lot of those kind of things happening. So it kind of feels like you got to do it at some point. And obviously, sadly, like we lost Stefan Bonner, you know what I mean? Like he's in the Hall of Fame. Like, you know, you got to have like dedication to him there. So, yeah, I feel like they got to do it at some point, especially like they've carved out a huge part of Vegas is now like the UFC headquarters. Like, how could you not do that? And you're already inviting people to the Apex. Like, why would you not want to be able to have people come experience the Hall of Fame? 
I mean, yeah. it seems like a, yeah, like a no brainer, right? I mean, even if like one of the hotels paid for it, you know, it could be a really cool thing inside one of the hotels. Like everyone would want to go to, they just open up the punk rock hall of fame out there. So, I mean, the UFC is a no brainer for Vegas. I've never been to the punk rock hall of fame. I've been to the rock and roll hall of fame here in Ohio, but I've never been to punk rock hall of fame. Uh, it like just got real big. <laughs> <laughs> The punk rock hall of fame. Like, where the hell did I miss it out on this? Jeez, man. So yeah, you're one of the only people I know that would appreciate it the the way that I do, Damon. So we should (laughs) we should go out there together and go check that out. Absolutely. Are we uh so we got Matt, you're home now. Uh is everyone or is everyone going to the concert next week? Is this are we gonna talk about this? We got the big Sonic Temple Festival coming up here in Columbus, Ohio in a matter of days. Hell yeah. I'll be there the first two days. My daughter is graduating high school, so we're doing like parties over the weekend and stuff like that, but I'll be there the first two days. Mm. Can I, I have no idea. <laughs> can I haven't I, even thought about it. We'll see. Can I comment real quick? We talked earlier about Matt, your sons being 12 years old, and I was like, because I remember being at your house when they were like babies and being in the octagon when they were still very little. And Loper, you posted about your son graduating. Now your daughter's graduating. I commented to yeah. this to, to my girlfriend. I was like, how the fuck does this happen? How do their kids like that old now? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like this, does, this world doesn't make sense to me anymore to where you have kids that are graduating high school over. This does not make any sense to me whatsoever. Now these girls, they, they, they were like refusing to believe that I had a 20 year old son and a, <laughs> a 17 year old daughter. I was like, yeah, he'll be 20 this summer. And she's almost 18 actually at the end of this month. But yeah, we still have two little kids too, 10 and 11, but you know, I'm, I, I took myself out of the gene pool. Of course, you know, I got the old, uh, you know, so I can point this thing anywhere I want to, but uh, it's, it's really gratifying to watch your kids grow up and, you know, being a father and, and a parent, a mother, anything uh, is just it is the absolute toughest job because it's somewhere between love and you got to, you got to find some kind of balance to keep them in order. You don't want to be too strict. It's just really fun. And then unfortunately it's a wrap before you know it. Hmm. Yeah. When are you about to pop one out, Damon? Never. You, bro? never. I'm never having children. I live vicariously through my friends. Damon. I live vicariously through my friends. Yeah, I know. I have I have two dogs. That's enough for me. I'm not no. There's none of that. I yeah. live vicariously through my friends. Too. As yeah. long as you don't compare having dogs to having kids. I had a dude do that to me the other day. I was like, I was like, you motherfucker! Like, you, <laughs> dude, dogs are not fucking kids. Yeah. Like he's like, well, it's the Belgian Malinois. You know, it's very high drive. And I'm, my motherfucker, about to kick your fucking teeth. <laughs> what a hilarious conversation! It's a Belgian. <laughs> It's very like oh okay we got a great point there no is is your Belgian Malinois trying to bang a female Malinois in the back seat of my car because they're at the movie no okay it's not the same thing you got to be on your head's on a swivel yeah you got to be paying attention to these things man (laughs) is he on TikTok too much yeah exactly (laughs) hearing way easier having a Malinois. See, hearing this is why I don't want kids. I'm like, yeah, I couldn't handle that. I'm not. I, I, I'm just not. I'm not built for that. I'm built for dogs. Dogs are about as far as you're going to get. You got to carry on the Martin jeans. <laughs> Where's the Martin jeans going to go? That pool. That pool has been drained long ago. Trust me. There's no. There's no need for any more of that being spread around. I promise you that. So, 
Yeah, that's I feel uh, like the world needs more Damon Martins. <laughs> <laughs> David Jr., here we go. Somebody to take over the show when you're done. Yeah, yeah who's going to take over the show? Your pass legacy. the torch. I'll pass it. We'll pass it on to the to the Brown children. They can take over when I'm gone. They can. They can. They got. They, there's two of them. They're twins. I mean, come on. They can do the show right there. One's gonna be a fighter, and the other one could be a writer. Fair enough. They they'd probably be pretty good at it. Yeah, that's yeah, me. Although nice. hearing golf lessons kind of threw me off. You got kids in golf. That does not seem like an immortal sport to me. That just does not strike Dude, me. My one son fucking loves golf, man. My other <laughs> son, he's a fighter. My other son, he fucking loves golf, and I'm all about it. I said, dude, go get that fucking golf money. Don't get hit once <laughs> in the face in your life. No, Hunter's go got a great swing, golf. too. Yeah, he's real fluid. Looks great. Dude, he's actually doing freaking awesome. And I'm like, dude, I want to learn some golf, man. So I'm not, me and Dover, we're going golfing. Is that summer, right, bro? bro? I'm ready. Yeah, I mean, that was going to go right now, actually, right after the show. Yeah, uh, I can't. I can't tonight because uh, I missed Mother's Day yesterday. So I have to take my mom out for Mother's Day. Oh, there you go, man. But go. I am in, bro. Let's go. Well, you, you know, it, yeah, anytime. What is going? It's, what is going uh, it's on something here? that I've taken up what in the last it? couple of years. It's what? you know what it is, Damon. Is it's harder. Damon had no idea that this conversation was going here for the show. Yeah, definitely <laughs> yeah, did not. You think you golf is? Fuck, this is a fighter show. Yeah, everybody thinks like golf. You know, you know, you got to wear a collar. It's you know for the you know people that are soft and all this stuff. It's there's no humiliation like when you get out there, and an 80 year old guy is just whipping your ass all over the golf course. There's nothing like it. It doesn't matter how much sports prowess you have. All of that is out the way. In my opinion, golf is more of an athletic skill than it is really like a sport. And maybe when you talk about it's kind of like when I go to yoga and all these soccer moms are chilling and I'm over here going. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, that's exactly right. So golf for me is more like Tai Chi than anything else. You have to be able to quiet the mind and just release to victory. So I'm working on it. I'm still like I'm still 90s, man. But I go out there and I have a great time. But one of the things that I promised myself was I wasn't going to go out there and be one of these guys throwing clubs. Fair enough. Yeah. That Cause was, there's nothing like watching a guy. Too. Yeah. Throw a $500 club against a tree. I'm like, dude, what are you even doing out here, man? Like, you know, cause people have high expectations when it comes to golf and it's just a game that man, it's worse than jujitsu. It takes forever to get good. Well, <laughs> I I just well, what I mean is like obviously having done both it is uh it's a different thing obviously but like to get some sort of like a foundation in jujitsu you gotta I mean there's no going for a month or two like there is with taekwondo or something like that where you're like all right cool man I learned a roundhouse kick I can kind of do this now I mean you are nobody getting smashed by everybody for at least the first year or so and that's golf too, man. I mean, you get smashed by, I'm the worst guy at my golf club. I promise you. This is why, this is why I don't play golf because I did. I used to play in high school. I played tennis and I oh, love tennis. Right? Yeah. I played tennis. I got a good serve, but I used to play doubles tennis and I was on the team in the high school team, but I had the football players mentality so when we lost a game and the other team started making fun of us, I chucked my racket and tried to jump over the net at the other kid. And that was the end of my tennis career. So I like don't think style. I'm built. For, I don't think I'm like built it. for golf. I don't think I'm built for golf. I don't, I, I cause I would <laughs> throw a club. I would 100% throw a club. There's no doubt in my mind, a club is getting chucked somewhere on that course. There's no doubt in my mind. 
Yeah, after you see the price tag, go for you, Damon. Yeah, it's easy to not throw it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not getting. No I'm not getting. Damon. I, I'm not getting fifty thousand knock fifty thousand dollar knockout of the night bonuses, performance of night bonuses. I can't afford those golf clubs. Trust me. <laughs> it's funny. I can't afford them either. I got three kids. <laughs> fifty thousand dollars don't go as far as you think when you got three kids. Um. Let me real quick before we get out of here. Let me ask you, Matt. Going back to the fight stuff, real quick. I'm curious because you're in a different position now in your career than a lot of guys. Where, and again, I mean this. I mean this like as a compliment. But like you, you said like you want to get back in the gym. You got to help your guys. You're doing all that kind of stuff. But like you're in a position now where you don't have to fight at any particular time. Like you can kind. I can kind of assume you can like pick and choose. Not saying you pick and choose your fights or pick and choose your cards, but like if you want to take a couple months off, you can take a couple months off. You're not in a position where they're like, Hey, you have to fight again in three months or four months. Uh, do you think about like when you get out of a fight, like you're like, you had a big win, big knockout. Like, do you just kind of like when, when the time's right, you're like, yeah, I'll take another fight. Like, is that kind of the mentality now? Yeah, that's kind of where I have to be, man. And it's not not nearly as much uh, because of finances, but because of injuries. Like I, I got stuff that I just have to heal up, and um, I've went into too many fights with injuries that it slowed me down and affected the fight. Um, so I'm just not trying to do that at this age anymore. Um, so just when I'm healthy and I'm able to train consistently, and I basically just know when the time is right, man. And uh, it may be a faster turnaround this time, but it might not. You know, like. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of layers to my life at this point, you know, I'm a lot older and have a uh, businesses and kids and all this stuff. So, um, yeah, there's just a lot of pieces that I puzzle, man. Um, and I, I think, um, well, yeah, so I just kind of play it by ear, you know, um, I got through the fight, not even really thinking about it too much right now, I'll give it a couple of weeks and we'll go from there. And, you know, w- when I get the itch, I'll call the UFC and we'll go again. Hell yeah. I'll text. Uh, I'll text Matt. And say, hey, Connor's back in the t- in the uh, testing pool, and then he'll text me back. I'm, re- I'm ready to fight in six months, guys. You guys ready to fight in six months? What's going on here, Connor? What's up? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, you know, money talks, right? So, yeah. you know, and Connor, I, I think it is a great matchup. To be honest, uh, you know, whether the fight ever actually realistically happens or not. I mean, I think it's a great matchup. I think it'd be an exciting matchup. I think fans would freaking love to see it. You know, right now. Uh, some of the responses I seen, I was just looking at my phone a minute ago and, you know, some of the people are saying, you know, MMA math, right. Cause he knocked out cowboy quickly and cowboy beat me. So, uh, but you know, MMA math does not work that way at all, at all. So <laughs> everybody can stop with all of that. Uh, me and Connor make for a great matchup, but um, the fact is, um, you know, again, it's just, it's, it's, he's the A side. So, you know, it's up to him. So um, I'm kind of his mercy for that one. Well, there's only like to me and Loper, you like obviously, and I mean this is like I'm in the sport. This is my daily job. Is what I do every single day. And Matt, obviously, you're a fighter, but even you as a fighter, you're not paying attention to like every single thing that happens in the sport. You can't. You got to actually life outside the sport. Um, Loper, am I wrong in thinking like there's like a handful of fights that would make sense for Connor in terms of like a big fight, right? Like we know Chandler's going to be a big fight. Good for him. Gaethje would be a big fight. He already fought Poirier a couple times. That's not going to happen. You look at welterweight, you know, uh, obviously there's a, maybe a couple of matchups up there, but I'm thinking like name value and fights that people would get excited about and like get like pay to see. I'm not just trying to sell it on the Matt Brown fight, but like, am I wrong? I think like out of like the maybe 10 guys 
that Connor could fight that doesn't involve a title. Obviously, titles are always going to be important, but like just big fights. Like Matt, you're there. Like that's I'm not wrong, right? Like in terms of like magnitude, I like that so. is actually one that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes total sense because I think Connor wants somebody that's going to stand and bang. He doesn't want a NC two A wrestler. That's for damn sure. So I think it's almost one of those sleepy fights where Connor could almost be lulled into the idea of fighting Matt because it would be attractive to him. And then when the lights are on, it may be too late for our Irish friend, but I, I definitely think I could see that happening. See Coleman, Coleman over there, give a smack to John Cavanaugh. It'd be a great show, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would absolutely be there in any, on any continent. I would, I would be there. Yeah. Come on. That's, that's what I would fly to Ireland for. I would 100% fly to Ireland for that fight. If it goes in Ireland, 100% I would go to that one. Like I didn't, I didn't fly to Charlotte cause man flights everywhere are really expensive right now. Like when Loper, cause I texted Loper after I found out he was going to Charlotte, I was going to go. Cause I was like, we're going to drive down. He's like, we're flying. I was like, well, I'm out. Cause flights are like <laughs> $900 to fly like a hundred miles. Now I was like, never mind. I'm not flying anywhere. Yeah, I got to, I happen to get a really great rate, but uh, I, I was thinking about driving for a second. You know, like I have some extra free time on my hands. I was going to go and stop and see some other parts of uh, some other things I want to hit on the way down. But it just uh, the way it worked out for me, I, it just was easier for me to get in and get out. But like I said, man, we had such a great time in Charlotte. If I could just plug one time uh, something on my new podcast, uh, Loper and Randy, if you guys uh, want to go check it out at loperandrandy.com. There's a story where I met a super celebrity, like a real famous person at my hotel in the elevator. And if you want to know who it is, go over and check out the podcast. I think I heard this on Instagram. I'm not going to spoil it. I think I heard who you talked about on Instagram. So yeah, you, I got to listen Dude, I was to that. blown away. I was blown <laughs> away. I couldn't believe this person was standing in front of me. Yeah. Matt, have you ever gotten starstruck meeting anybody? Hmm. Matt's like no. He's like no. Nah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Not really. I mean, I was pretty. I, I wouldn't say starstruck. Like I, I don't know. What, I don't know what that term means. Really. I mean, I'm, um, but I, I guess the closest that would be that was like when I met Maynard, right? And I hung out with him. He wanted to learn some stuff from me, and um, but you know, I met him like in a gym. You know, we were training, so it was just kind of like. And, you know, he was just a cool dude. He was just another guy there training. So um, it wasn't really a starstruck thing, you know, like we drilled together and did some techniques and stuff. Um, that's about the closest I could get. But, you know, we've kind of become friends since. So it wasn't really, you know, star. I don't know what starstruck means, but, um, yeah, I can't think of anybody, you know, that really just kind of blew me away. I'm like, they're just human beings, right? So as a, as a tough one, it doesn't, people don't really uh, strike me, you know, like that, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a weirdo like that. Certain celebrities though, it, it is weird when they're standing in front of you. Like I gave the key to Ozzy Osbourne, the, the key to the city of West Palm beach where I grew up and we were doing radio down there and I set this whole thing up. It happened in 24 hours. Right. And it was not really even a thing in my mind until Ozzy was standing next to me. 
And he's chewing some bubble gum and he takes, he spits it out and then steps on it with his shoe. And I'm like, is he going to fucking wear gum on the bottom of his shoe for the rest of the day? I'm like, what a savage. <laughs> and it was just so weird. I was sitting there having like, as the mayor was talking, Lois Frankel was talking to the crowd. I'm having side conversation. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Just talking to Ozzy Osbourne. That's all. It's moments like that though. you realize like, wow, you're so famous. And this celebrity that I'm talking about, I was in the elevator with, it's not somebody that I've, I necessarily uh, am such a huge fan of their work. It's just that you're so aware of who they are. And when you realize who they are, you're like, I can't believe that's you. This is fucking crazy. I think for, for sure. me, and I think you guys would probably relate to this being that you know, you've been around famous people many times. It's like, uh, it's not like the star power about them that strikes you. But when you see someone like Ozzy or like me hanging around Maynard, like, you know how special that person really is like how genius they are, especially like, like Maynard or Ozzy, right? Like, like, I mean, Maynard is just an absolutely brilliant person. And uh, you can tell when you speak to him and there's an aura about them. Um, so it's not necessarily the star power or the celebrity status that they have, but that energy that they have. Um, and you're like, dude, I'm, it's cool to be around them. Just like, if I can get a piece of that energy, man, that, you yeah. know, maybe get a little bit of uh, inspiration from them. No doubt. Yeah. That's if that know, makes sense at all. I'm not sure. You know, it's cool though. And, and Loper, you, I know you probably speak to this cause you've been around a lot of, of rock stars, a lot of celebrities. And I've been lucky enough cause I go to San Diego comic-con every year and I've interviewed guys like Brian Cranston from breaking bad and stuff like that. But one of my favorite experiences, and I always tell this when kind of bringing a full circle to the Conor McGregor thing. Um, one of my favorite experiences when guys get to be like, you know, as well as I do Loper, I won't mention the band, but I've like, I've met a band on their way up and that I met them after they became famous and it totally turned me off because they totally became different people. Like they became rock stars. Like yeah. they're suddenly like, what? I will say this, like when I, cause I, I, I know it's a little different with this because I've been around Connor a lot, but like, I'll never forget like being around Connor after he blew up and was the biggest star in the world and everyone knew him. Like every time I've ever interacted with Connor, when there's not cameras around, he's like still the nicest guy in the world. I've always told this story when I got uh, let go at Fox, when Fox fired all the writers like four years ago, Conor McGregor and Max Holloway were the first two people to reach out to me be like, dude, that's bullshit. Like you got shafted. You that's deserve cool. better. And I was like, Conor McGregor, the biggest star in the world <laughs> is reaching out to me on Twitter saying, Hey man, you got a raw deal. Like that sucks. And like, that's like, that means like that. I love when you realize like, they're just people like Matt said, they're just people. And they're still just now. I'm not saying like he's not rolling around in a freaking Lamborghini, you know, whatever, uh, you know, yacht or whatever he's got. And, you know, obviously that, but like I've been like, I've been around enough people like when you meet them and they're just like, yeah, there's just people. Now there's examples otherwise. I've met some assholes too. And I'm sure Loper, you've had that experience too in the rock, in the, especially in the music world. But like it's cool when yeah. you meet somebody, you're just like, yeah, like you're just a person. Like it's cool. And they don't, and they're not like expecting to treat them different. They're just like, yeah, I'm just a dude. Yeah, a lot awesome. of times those guys are not even necessarily assholes, but like, and, you know, they get so much uh, attention and so many yeah. people want to suck their nuts. And, you know, like <laughs> I feel like after a fight, like sometimes, you know, I probably come across as an asshole, but I'm like, bro, like there's a million people that want to talk to me right now. And I'm just a person and I just want to be left alone. You know what I mean? And it's not, you know, nothing against you, but, you know, I'm not going to sit here and talk to you for the next 10 minutes either. And, a lot of times people take that the wrong way or even, you know, before a fight, especially, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, you see these guys, like, that's why I don't like bugging them. Like before the shows, whatever it's like, 
you know, they're, they're trying to get their energy right and trying to get focused and they don't need those distractions. And so a lot of people, I think, take that um, as them being an asshole. And obviously like there's, you know, different lines to that too. There's different scenarios and things, you know, but uh, you know, I, I try to be aware of that. Um, and, and again, it's not about the star power, you know, it's just about, you know, someone like Connor, like he is a special dude, you know, I mean, he's obviously like a great fighter, but he's also, um, in terms of like his personality and the way he carries himself, like he's special in that regard. And it's cool to be around that. You know, I'd never be starstruck by it, but it's cool to be around it. Yeah. I'll tell you who has achieved like a lot of success uh, in, and I knew this person like when they were, you know, just coming up and really, I mean, just a few years ago, like nobody knew uh, if you weren't a fan already is uh, jelly roll. Oh, yeah. And Je yeah, jelly roll Lua. is, I mean, one of the most famous musicians on the planet right now, and especially in the country world of all worlds. But he used to joke with me and say, like, you know, because I, I work in rock radio, and he would say, like, hey, man, you know, the one thing about our friendship is I'm never going to ask you to play one of my records. And then a year later, the guy has the number one rock record in <laughs> the country, followed up by the number one country record in the country. Yeah, his success and his ability to stay humble is almost unmatched, man. You know, he's he's a great example of uh, the opposite of what you're describing, Damon, for sure. I heard a story about him. I think it was on TikTok, actually. A guy was talking about, like, he had done a show with Jelly Roll when Jelly Roll was, like, not really a guy. Like, he was not a star or anything. He, like, opened for him at some, like, little tiny club in, like, Nashville. And then he yeah. blew up, and, like, Jelly Roll brought him back out. Like, he was still trying to build his career, and he, like, still supported him even after this guy and he like, I guess he came to his show like jelly roll is like the biggest star in the world, whatever. And jelly roll came to this guy's show to show him support. Like he could have just, awesome. you know, like, he, like, he, yeah. like, yeah, he just showed up and he's like, showed up to show him support. And of course he tweeted about her, put on Instagram and everyone freaked out and came and he's like, dude, you have no idea how much I meant to me. Like I was just your opening act when you were still nobody, but like a year later, two years later, whatever, he showed up to this guy's like little dinky show in like Nashville or something. And like, I'm going to this guy's show and like tweeted about her, Instagrammed about it. I was like, that's so cool. Like, that's awesome. Like you could have just totally forgot about this guy and moved on with your life. But the fact that you're like, yeah, he meant something to me when I was, you know, kind of coming up and I'm going to go support him now. Like, that's cool. I had to come see you, Bubba. I can hear it right now. That's exactly, yeah, that's a, that's a Jason story for sure. That's, that's, that's who awesome. He is. That's awesome. Well, uh, this reunion has been a lot of fun, boys. Uh, I, 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 we got to do it more often. It feels like this needs to happen more often. I feel like I miss this dynamic we have. We got to get Coleman back on too, because I can only imagine the crazy shit that would happen. We get him back on. Uh, we'll get a, a roaming mic because he's got to get his steps in these days, Damon. Yeah, that's true. He'll just come back on. For, he'll just come back on for like every ten minutes. He'll just be like circle around every ten minutes. He'll be back on the podcast. Uh, Lover, tell everyone again where they can find you and your wonderful podcast you got going on in the world. Well, I just want to say it is great to be back with the two of you guys. You know, uh, Matt, it was great to be there on Saturday. You know, you're you're one of my closest friends, and it, there's nothing like it to see your friends rise to victory. Uh, yeah, people can check it out, loperandrandy.com. We're on all the major podcast platforms. You know, please support our show. It's it's independent, and we're waiting to, uh, you know, take over, man. So uh, I think people will like it, too. You know, if, if you enjoyed what you heard today, I think you'll like it. And Matt, you always got everything going on. Where are people supporting you after the fight? Everyone's talking about your fight. Where uh, I know you got Immortal Coffee. You got other things going on. So what else has got going on now? Yeah, that would be the Immortal Coffee. Or you can follow me Instagram at I am, I am the Immortal. Twitter the same at I am the Immortal. Facebook fan page the Immortal Matt Brown. 
That's about all I got, man. That's how I roll in these days. He's going to get him another Papadilla now. All right, boys, uh, that is our show for this week for the Fighter versus the Rider. Make sure you check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, all the different places. Of course, I know we're on the best website in the world, MMAfighting.com. We'll see you guys next week for another edition of the Fighter versus the Rider. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. Support for the show comes from SoFi Invest. Alternative investments are now available on SoFi. Unlock the potential to build and protect your wealth with alternatives including real estate, venture capital, pre-IPO unicorns, and more at SoFi.com slash Vox. Active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA, SIPC. Alternative funds have unique risks, including the risk of loss, may charge high fees, can be illiquid, and may not be suitable for all investors. Prior to investing in any fund, carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and important information contained in a fund's prospectus.